sisters, as your sons and daughters, that we would behold the Lamb of God, whether it be for the first time or for a fresh time. Let us behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And all God's people said, Amen. Before you're seated, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, because that way most of you can't watch me do this, I'm going to try not to pass out as I try to make this thing, a shofar, make noise, because this is how they would have started the Seder. It's also, these are the horns that they would have used to walk around Jericho in Joshua's time. I about died earlier trying to do this because I'm no good at it, but here we go. That's as good as it's going to get. Amen. Amen, amen. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Daniel. I am super excited to be with you today. What the heck are we doing, right? We got all this new stuff on the tables that's not usually here on Sunday. Uh, but I wanted to point out really quickly the last few verses in that song we were just saying, it is well with my soul, and the hope that we have that Jesus, the, the clouds are going to be rolled back like a scroll, and Jesus is going to return. Uh, and we know that because he's promised it to us. And what we're really looking at today one of the reasons that I love this story so much that we're going to be looking at is because God's promises have always come true. He's always been faithful to, to fulfill every promise he's ever given man. We should be cheering. Praise the Lord, right? We have a hope that is coming. Jesus is going to come back because everything God's ever promised has always come true. So for his promise to say, I will return, that's our hope. That's why we can say it is well with my soul because there is a coming kingdom with a coming king. And one day we will be in that throne, throne room together and we will, as we close today's uh, service, you're going to see uh, Jesus says, I won't do this again until I do it again in the kingdom with you. That means with us. We will, we will one day do what, exactly what we're doing today. We're going to do it in his kingdom because it is finished. It's just not yet done. I know you've heard Doug say that. Thank you. Please. But there will be a day when it is done, and it will be done, and we will all be in heaven, and it will be amazing, and we will be doing this same celebration. So without what you're looking at today is very dramatic because God is a storytelling God, and he's always been telling one, as one story, as we're going to look at today, and it's centered on his deliverance, okay? So it's, it's very dramatic, and I felt like the Lord put on my heart uh, yesterday to start it out fairly dramatically. So I'm going to ask you guys to close your eyes, okay? And I want you to imagine for the next five or six minutes, I want to suck you back into time. Back, so you're going to do a little role play where it's not you, but I want you to imagine being somebody else in the same time when Jesus is alive, okay? So close your eyes. And I'm just going to talk you through a, a short experience, okay? I want you to imagine being a child, okay? So for some of you children, it's not so hard. For others of you that haven't been a child in a long time, it might be a little more difficult. But I want you to remember what it was like just at the time that your parents used to start giving you responsibilities, okay? Just when you started branching out uh, from home. So I want you to imagine that you grew up in Israel. And I want you to imagine that your dad is a shepherd and you guys live outside of is, uh, Jerusalem. Now you're old enough, so <clears throat> your dad gives you a task. And I want you to imagine your father is a shepherd in Israel. He's giving you a special task. 
He's given you the responsibility of taking the sacrificial lambs up into Jerusalem to be sold at the temple. They are the most perfect, pure, spotless lambs from your flock. This is a very important job. This is the first year. You followed him every other year. This is the first year you're going to do it alone. They will need to be in Jerusalem this week for Passover. This week, over 250,000 spotless lambs are needed for the Passover. This is a celebration that you've attended every year of your life. In fact, every year of your father's life. And in fact, every year of his father's life as well. Over almost 1,500 years, this tradition has been going on. It's about a two-hour walk from where you live into Jerusalem. And it's even longer when you're herding sheep. You've been on the road a while and you're tired. Your feet are dirty, you're thirsty, but you're ready to complete your task. Even though you know it's far from over. Much like our rush hour traffic today, everyone will be on their way into Jerusalem this week. Not just the shepherds. The Passover is one of three pilgrimage feasts pilgrimage feasts that God has commanded his people to observe. So literally, everybody and their mother will be, will be crowded into this, this uh, city, Jerusalem. Literally, millions of people have come to observe this holiday. Now, as you approach the city gates, the crowd of people is thickening. At the city gates, there are many Roman soldiers. As you near the entrance, you need to walk between two of them. They are hot, they are tired and they are frustrated. You can see the sweat pouring down their faces from under their helmets, from standing in the sun all day. They are shouting orders to keep people organized as they try to move through the city gates. One of them eyeballs you as you try not to make eye contact with them as they, as they do their work and you try to do yours. You're trying to keep your sheep organized as you enter in through the great city, as everyone bumps into them and pushes them around. At the time of Jesus, the Jewish people were once again an oppressed people, living under the authority of the Roman rule. They eagerly awaited the arrival of their promised Messiah, God's promised Savior, who would come to establish a forever kingdom for them, especially during this season, the Seder. Tensions were very, very high. Think about it. The city is literally overflowing with Jews who are partying the entire week drinking wine, singing, dancing, and remembering God's mighty deeds of deliverance for his people when he delivered them out of Egypt and out of slavery. It's a recipe for mobs and rebellion, which is why Pontius Pilate has traveled a far distance to be in Jerusalem to help keep the peace. Just his presence keeps those Roman soldiers on their toes. Moving through the crowded streets, you lift up your smallest lamb on your shoulders to keep him from struggling because he's struggling to keep up. As you do, <clears throat> a wave of energy and excitement moves across the crowd like a wave in the sea. The commotion and rising cheer causes your flock to panic. As they begin to look for a way to retreat, you quickly herd them into a small nook between two peddlers' tents, just outside an overpacked inn. Then you wedge your shepherd's staff between the two tent poles to keep your sheep in place. It's not perfect, but it will keep them safe until the commotion passes. The cheers from the crowd grow as people push against each other, trying to get a glimpse of what's coming down the street. You overhear people saying, it's him, it's him, it's co he's coming. The miracle 
worker, with your back to your sheep, you realize that you're not tall enough to see what's the, what all the commotion is about. Wanting to see you carefully balance one of your feet on the shepherd's staff that's wedged between the two tent stakes, securing your balance, you push yourself up just enough time to see a man on a donkey. He's slowly making his way through the street. It's not a proud king, but what looks to be like a humble servant. Nevertheless, the people are shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, which means save now, save now. People are waving palm fronds and placing their cloaks on the ground in front of the donkey to walk over. This was a tradition and welcome saved only for kings. It's Jesus, the miracle worker. You've heard your parents talking about him. This year, the year that Jesus enters Jerusalem on a colt, which we see in John chapter 12, you'll come to find out that this is the exact moment that Jesus is fulfilling prophecy that was told uh, by Zechariah in chapter 9. All of God's people have been waiting for the Messiah. And this year, this year they have Jesus, a man who is doing miracles, teaching with authority, and claiming to be God's son. Now he arrives in Jerusalem for the Seder Passover feast. And the people go crazy. Hosanna, Hosanna, they shout. They want to make him king. They want uh, to be set free from this Roman rule. They want to be delivered. They were looking for God's Savior to come and deliver them, just as Moses had delivered them from Pharaoh. This was him, the man everybody was talking about. Many were hoping that he would be God's promised deliverer. Unable to control your excitement any longer, you shout, Hosanna, Hosanna, at the top of your lungs with the, along with the crowd as he passes you. You shout it again, and just then, as if you were the only one in the crowd, he looks right at you. For a moment, it seems like time slows, and the crowd, crowd is silenced, and he looks right into your eyes and he smiles. But even as you smile back, you can see in his face that he's a bit sad. As Jesus passes, the crowd moves to follow him. You unblock your sheep and you continue to lead them toward the, through the crowded streets towards the temple. As you go, you can't help but wonder what the celebration, the Seder dinner, might be like with Jesus as he does it with his family, the disciples. Now I want you to open your eyes. What you're looking at in front of you, I want to invite you to Jesus' table. What we're going to look at today is what the disciples would have sat at the table along with Jesus. The thing is, you are invited. All of us have been invited to come to the table. And I want you to participate. Everything that you see in front of you today is set to excite all of your senses, all of your, not, not, not just to experience it, but to taste it, to smell it, to remember, to, to, to pass it on from, from one generation to the next. And that's what we're going to do today. If you've never done one of these Seder uh, dinners, I, this is pretty much an abbreviated version of it, but I can't wait for you to go through it because this is one of my favorite stories. Well, the first one that I ever did, like as you go through this, it's going to blow your mind because God has always been telling. So with that in mind, we don't want to miss seeing Jesus and hearing his story because it's not just about seeing how Jesus fulfills the story. What we're going to realize is that Jesus is the story. Okay, so today's question, what I want you to, to leave here today understanding is or asking yourself 
is how is your story, your life, how is the, 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 the span of time that God's given you on this earth, how is your story telling his story? Okay? So uh, one of the cool things about what Daniel just shared is this idea of, the idea of like, what we're here today to talk about and, and to see and experience in all of our senses is, is the Passover. And, and we, have been, we read the Passover in Exodus when we're, as we're reading through our D group reading in the Old Testament. And we saw that, what, that, that the power of the Passover is that when they would slaughter the lamb, they would put the blood of the lamb on the doorposts of the home. And when the angel of the Lord came to, to free God's people, right, through a deliverance that only he could do, when, the, when that angel saw the blood shed on the doorpost, he would pass over that house. And now, as Christians, we understand, and we will see today, since he is the perfect Passover lamb, when God sees his blood shed for us and sees that our heart has been marked by that blood, then he passes over us when that day of wrath will come. And that's basically the Seder story in a nutshell. And you're going to hear it and experience it over and over again. But what that requires is some preparation. And so what's interesting about this, like even what Daniel was just sharing and having us visualize that moment, guys, this is what's known as Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday on our calendar, on the, on the Greco-Roman calendar that the church follows in, in the world, or most of the church in the world follows, does not match up with the Jewish calendar, but about every seven years it does, and this is one of those times. The Jewish Passover started at sundown yesterday, and it goes through next week. And so on this day, Sunday, is the day that we call Palm Sunday, that Jesus would have walked in to the city of Jerusalem, or rode into the city of Jerusalem. And, and in that moment, and we'll, and we'll talk more about that in a minute, in that moment he looks, or his disciples look at him, and in Mark chapter 14 he, it says this, On the first day of unleavened bread, when the Passover lambs were being sacrificed, his disciples said to him, Where do you want us to go to prepare the Passover? So this was, this was the big moment in God's story for the Jewish people. And so they would not just spend a day preparing, they would actually spend like a week preparing for this. And a lot of people spent a lot of time preparing for this for us today and we thank you guys for doing that and we'll thank you at the end as well. But guys, understand that as Daniel mentioned, this was the same day, just by chance, air quotes, right, in the providence of God, this day that Jesus is riding into Jerusalem is the same day that the shepherds would have been leading their, pe their sheep for the slaughter from Bethlehem, where they were raised, to Jerusalem. And so they would have led them there and as part of the preparation time. But before we continue with the preparation of the space that we're in, of what the disciples said of, hey, what do we need to do to prepare for the Passover? I just want to take just a minute and let us all just be silent and let him, because now, guys, it's not a room that he enters into. Yes, he's here in our presence because God's people are here, but it's our heart that he enters into. So we need to prepare our hearts for what he has for us today. There are white cards on the table. For those of you that are our cornerstone people, you're familiar with what we do with those. If you would like to write some stuff down that you want to give to the, path, the perfect Passover lamb and at some point today put on the cross, you are welcome to do that. Um, or if you just want to sit and be silent. But I just want to ask you for a minute to close your eyes again and join with me as we ask the Lord, the spirit of the living God, 
The writer of Chronicles says that the eyes of the Lord search to and fro throughout the whole earth that he might show himself strong in those hearts who are perfectly his. The only way we can have hearts that are perfectly his is when we have given them completely to Christ. So search us, O God. Bring to mind the things that are an offense to you because maybe they demonstrate our lack of faith in you. Our lack of trust in you. Lead us in your everlasting way. And restore to us the joy the joy the joy of your salvation in Christ as we let go Lord fill us up for your glory in Jesus name amen so Around the room, so what they would do when, when the disciples were talking about what do we need to do to prepare the Passover, one of the things that the Jewish families would do is there's this idea of leaven. Leaven is a picture of sin. It's what most bread has in it. It's yeast. It's what makes bread rise, which is not the bread you'll be eating today. But around the room, we have had some faithful servants um, carefully place some leaven bread under your tables, around your tables, and it's a picture of sin in the Bible throughout Scripture. And so what they would do is they would have their kids, and, and if you don't have kids at your table guess what you're a kid right now um, and they would have their kids go around the room and they would have them collect the leaven and it was this picture of trying to co- what we just did on those cards it was it was the picture of collecting the sin in our lives and cleaning house basically and so the feather you have a feather on your tray and it's a picture of the Holy Spirit remember we talked about how the spirit is a wind like it's the same, it's the same word as, as wind in the New Testament. And you have a spoon, and you should have a bag, a small bag. And what I want you to do is you're going to go around, and you're going to sweep up the sin, and you're going to place it in the bag. And then when it's all swept up, you're going to bring your bags up here. Ready, go. like musical chairs so when the song is done you need to be done like and seated you can take turns too you know
Anybody have an extra bag for Sean Simpson? He needs more. He's apparently got a lot of sin under his table. Thank you, buddy. Oh, to grace, how great a debtor. Daily I am constrained to be. Let thy goodness like a fetter bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to Okay, so we got everybody's sin collected. Awesome, well done. You guys are obviously a bunch of big sinners because we filled our bag. Addy, would you come up here for a second? Um, since it was your birthday yesterday, I figured I'd pick you. Or I'm assuming it was yesterday, or maybe you just celebrated it yesterday. I don't know. Um, so what, what they would do then is they would have, they would actually, we have, oh, thank you. We haven't finished cleaning house. So I'm just going to pray for the cleansing of God, and then you're going to take this bag, and you're going to go over there to those doors, and you're just going to throw it out the door, and yeah, it's going to make a mess, and that's okay. All right, so let's pray. Pray with me. Father, I just thank you, Lord. Um, I thank you for the cleansing power of your grace. Lord, I thank you for the complete forgiveness that we have. Lord, I thank you that, as we talked about last week, we are freely and fully and forever forgiven in Christ. Lord, I thank you for your Holy Spirit that, that not only comes into our lives, but helps us walk in the power of that cleansing. Lord, continue to do that in our lives Lord, we, we need you to do that in our lives. For your glory alone, in Jesus' name, amen. There you go, dear. Just throw it. <laughs> okay. So why did God's people have to celebrate the, the Seder? Why did God command that this be done? So in, in Exodus, you read the story of where God's people were, were held in, in bitter slavery to the Egyptians, and they had no hope of escape until God sends them Moses and mightily delivers them out. He institutes on that night going, hey, from now on, you will do the Seder, uh, the Passover Seder, to remember this story. And we're going to look at God, in Deuteronomy, God instructs his people going, it's your job, mom and dad, to pass these stories on to the next generation and to the next generation and to the next generation. So you need to teach them how to pass this story on to the next generation. It's not the priest's job. That's mom and dad's job. You don't just take them to the temple to be taught. We, as God's people, are to be teaching God's people. Okay, so in this setting, what he instructs is going, the best place for this teaching to happen is at a tradition, at a dinner table, where the, the crazy family all gets together, everyone sits around the meal, 
and everything is very intentional, what you see before you, and that's what we're going to look at today. The story that God institutes with this mighty deliverance out of Egypt is, is, is a parallel to the story that he's been telling from the beginning of time. Okay, so they're being delivered out of Egypt and out of bitter slavery, but God's intention through Jesus is to deliver all of us out of the bitter bondage and slavery to sin. Okay, so that's what we're, we're looking at today. So as Doug started with the, the blowing of the shofar, they would do that, not like today, they would do that in the coming Thursday. So like, we're looking at it today, we're kind of bouncing around a little bit, but this is when Jesus would come in and all week, everybody would be examining their heart. Do I have sin? Do I have, am I angry? Am I holding a grudge against somebody? Is there anything anywhere in my heart, just like you did, you swept it up? That's what we're supposed to be doing for a full week is examining that right? Any hidden sin, you want to get it out. Now, on Thursday, so Jesus comes into town all week, they're, 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 they're examining their hearts, and then on Thursday, when the Passover meal actually is, the Seder actually is, would be this coming Thursday, at sundown, they would blow the shofar, and they would slaughter the lambs, okay? So this is supposed to be dad's job out in front of the house. They're supposed to slaughter the lamb, and then they bring it in to cook it, and then they start the Seder dinner at sundown. So that's what we're looking at right now. So after this meal, now like we go forward in time to where Jesus' time is, this, when you read in the Bible, how this story connects is after the Seder dinner is when Jesus goes out into the garden to pray with his disciples. And after they've been celebrating all night, they've had a bunch of cups of wine, they go into a nice cool garden, and he's like, hey, stand with me and pray. And they're like, yeah, sure. Like, because they've been, they've been hanging out all night as a, as a family. And so he goes, because he knows what's happening. Well, it would have been Thursday night that they struggled to stay up. He's, a, he's betrayed by Judas during this very meal. When he says, get up and go do what, the, what Satan's put in your heart to do. And he goes and he leaves. That's during this meal. Okay? So some of this, Judas never sees. Okay? So now... They would, do we have a map that says here? Okay, so this is the garden that they would have been in. They would have, they would have moved out of the upper room for the dinner that you're seeing. They would have crossed over, and they would have been in the, the Garden of Gethsemane, okay? And then he, we know that he was, was beaten, crucified. He died, and then he was buried on Friday, okay? So now that's why we call it Good Friday. He goes into the tomb. And then he, all the way, we wait till Sunday. And then on Sunday, what happens? Kids, what happens on Sunday? Nice and loud. He raises from the dead. The coolest part about this whole story is that he doesn't stay in the grave. He gets up, walks out, beats death, and that's why we have hope, right? So what we're looking at today is what's on the table. How do we tell this story? So in, first, we have parsley and salt water. They call that the carpus. We have the horseradish, you can probably smell it, that's the bitter herbs, the, the corset, which is an apple mixture, it looks like this, I should probably hold these up for you. This is the, the corset, I'm probably murdering that. And then we have finally the three pieces of matzah that are covered, okay, so this is the unleavened bread. This is the bread that is made without leaven, okay, which is why it's flat. <clears throat> Sorry. Put the... Okay. 
But the centerpiece, so all these are elements that are going to stimulate our senses. But the centerpiece was four cups of wine, okay? So on your table, there are a bunch, a bunch of cups of wine, but you only get one, okay? And it's not wine, it's grape juice, sorry. I think I called it wine. So your kids, you, you can drink it, it's grape juice. You're fine. Okay, so on this, you're going to have one cup, but you're going to take four drinks out of it. So don't, don't drink the whole thing. You're going to have to use this four times today, okay? Everybody got it? Give me a nod so I know we're tracking. Okay. Okay, so with that, the centerpiece of the Seder centers around these four cups of wine, okay? And as you go through, it's supposed to last the entire meal. You don't, you don't get them all at once. You walk through, and each cup symbolizes something different. They symbolize the four statements that God makes in Exodus chapter 6, and I'm going to read them to you right now. Say, therefore, to the sons of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from their bondage. I will also redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. Then I will take you for my people, and I will be your God. So there's four I will statements. I'm going to say them again. I will bring you out. I will deliver you from their bondage. I will also redeem you and I will take you for my people. So each time that we take another one, we're going to examine one of those I will statements. This celebration is told as a story, okay? So as we go through this, we're going to remember all of God's faithfulness in Egypt, but we're going to apply it through Jesus' lens and how he uses this story to reveal to them going, you guys have no idea. We've been telling one, me and my father, we've been telling one story, and it's going to blow your mind, okay? So remember, today's question is, how does this apply to me? And the, and the question I want you to remember is, how is your story telling God's story? Okay? So this, I, I, we really want you to get this part. So I'm going to, we're going to have a time of response here for just a few minutes. I really want you, just like we, we examined our hearts, this is another moment that I want you to take before we jump into the elements and we're looking at it. I want you to examine your, your story, what it is that God has you walking through right now. The Seder is a time of, to remember and celebrate God's faithfulness throughout history. God loves to be known for his faithfulness. God loves to be known for his faithfulness. Okay, if you hear nothing else today, that's what I want you to hear. God is faithful, and he loves to be remembered for it. So, but it's a time to also remember the times that God has been faithful to deliver you and your family. God is still doing miracles today. God is still the same God that's alive in the Bible. He's alive and well today. If, you're, if you haven't seen that yet, or if you're looking for it, today's the day, I'm telling you. And I'm just going to ask, raise your hand. If you're in here and you've experienced God delivering your family, I want you to raise your hand. Okay, so if you're wondering if God's real and you want to know that God's real and he delivers, find somebody with their hands up. Okay? After service today, I want you to ask them, go, hey, I want you to tell me about God's faithfulness, okay? Because they are ready to talk to you, especially Scott. He, he will tell you. So how can past stories, this is what I want you to reflect on, is how can the past stories that God, you've seen God show up when you need him to in your life, how can that spur you on to remember who he is today? And if you don't have one of those testimonies yet because you just don't understand, God's always, he's been faithful in your life. You just don't see it yet. And as soon as you talk to somebody, you're going to go, oh, man, maybe that was God. So the stories of other people of God's faithfulness 
is going to encourage us to, to know who God's character truly is. Okay? So that's what we are looking at today. So I'm going to give you a minute, and I want you to, I want you to think of one time that God just showed up in a big way. Okay? And then I'm going to pray. So let's spend a minute just thinking about our Savior. Oh, my God. You're, what I feel you speaking to me right now is that those moments that were difficult for my family are the moments that you, were, you, you stopped being just God and you became my God. I pray today that there are people in this room uh, that need to be reminded. And there is probably somebody in this room that needs to be told. So I pray that it wouldn't be our voices that tell them, Lord. I pray that it would be yours. Uh, what we struggle with and what we face, what we're up against, uh, not only do you know about, but you've allowed. You, you've, you've allowed it so that, not that we get pushed around by the world or the, the trials and the struggle, but so that we get to see your hand more clearly. And so that we get to know your character more mm. clearly. Because what this is, the, the whole intention of that is to remind us that you have always been telling one story and you overwhelmingly and consistently prove to us that you are faithful. And I don't know, I have no idea how you've chosen to be faithful to the, to the Price family, to the Troyer family, to the Edwards family, to the Sithers family, and without fail, we all shout, you are faithful. Mm. Amen. Because that's who you are so that we can know we can sing it as well with my with my soul because there's going to be a day you've promised to send a savior and so you have you've promised to come and return and take us home and so you will because you are faithful and jesus i am so grateful that you are my god and the god of my family and the god of my marriage and the god of my job mm. and the god of every step that i take walking out of this building today you are my God, and I thank you for that. Amen. Amen, amen. And, you know, the, the Seder is a time of reflection. Think about this for a minute, if you would, just even in light of where we started with visualizing, being that, that shepherd boy, bringing the sheep in. Guys, um, imagine this. As, as, here's, what, here's what the Lord was giving to me as Daniel was walking us through that. At some point in his life, Jesus, Jesus was the shepherd boy. Right, at some point in his life, because his family practiced the Passover as a good Jewish family. At some point, he is going to Jerusalem, watching these lambs go up for slaughter, and at some level knowing that's where he's heading. And then like Daniel said, on this Thursday night, he goes into that upper room knowing where he's going next. Disciples don't have a clue, but doesn't it give you a much better appreciation for like in John 13 when he talks about the foot washing, right? And how they all, they all walked into that upper room where they had prepared everything. They're the ones that set up the bowl to wash the feet, and none of them would do it. So who did? Jesus did. Like, he is not only the centerpiece of the story, but like he just tells it throughout his existence, from beginning to end, Genesis to Revelation, he is, he is telling the story in his very life while he was here. And, and, and even as we'll see towards the end of the Seder, after we eat a little bit, is 
even in how he institutes what we call communion. So we'll take communion together today differently because we're going to use our Seder cups to do it. Because the whole reason we take communion is because of what he instituted at this meal on this night. He's, he's telling his disciples, hey, we've done this before. I've done it my whole life. I am the lamb that's going to be slaughtered, and I'm going to blow this thing up. That's who our God is. And it's a time of reflection, it's a time of remembrance, and it's a time of praise. So what they would have done to start sort of their mealtime is that the 12 of them, or the 13 including Jesus, in the upper room would have stood up and they would have read what is called the Hallel. And the Hallel is just the, is the Hebrew word for praise. I'm learning that because it's one of my vocabulary words in my test tomorrow, please pray. That's an aside. So um, it's this Hebrew word for praise and, and they would read all of Psalms 113 through 118, word for word. Now, we're not going to do that, but we're, as I have the, my readers come up and get ready to read, we're going to read just parts of those psalms of praise to be reminded that, that really this is a celebration. Yes, we are remembering the cross. Yes, we are remembering the sacrifice. But we are also called to celebrate. So if you would, stand for the reading of God's word as we read through the Hallel. Praise the Lord. Praise those servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. Psalm 114. The Red Sea saw them coming and hurried out of their way. The water of the Jordan River turned away. The mountains skipped like rams, the hills like lambs. Oh, tremble, O earth, at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of God of Jacob. Psalm 115. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory. Oh, I'm reading the... Oops. Okay. Sorry, my name is not on here. That's okay. <laughs> um, For the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness, why should the nations say, where is their God? Our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy, because he inclined his ear to me. Therefore, I will call on him as long as I live. I called on the name of the Lord. O Lord, I pray, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Our God is merciful. Praise the Lord, all the nations. Praise him, all you people of the earth. For his unfailing love to us is powerful, and the Lord's faithfulness endures forever. Praise the Lord, Psalm 117. Psalm 118. I will give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let Israel say his steadfast love endures forever. Out of my distress I called on the Lord. The Lord answered me and set me free. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is on my side as my helper. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. Psalm 119, 171 through 175. Let praise flow from my lips, for you have taught me your decrees. Let my tongue sing about your word, for your, all your commandments are right. 
Give me a helping hand, for I have chosen to follow your commandments. O Lord, I have longed for your rescue, and your instructions are my delight. Let me live so I can praise you. Amen. Let me pray for your seated. Father, I just thank you, Lord. Um, I thank you that you are the God worthy of praise. Lord, let us be your people who present our bodies a willing sacrifice. Because what we're celebrating today is the sacrifice that you made of yourself so that we can present ourselves to you spotless and blameless before you. Not by any deeds of our own, but because of you. So let us be a people who are crucified with Christ. That it would be no longer us who lives, but that it would be Christ who lives in us, our hope of glory, for the fame of his name. And all God's people said, amen. You can have a seat. Luke twenty-two fifteen to 20 says, And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup, and then when he had given thanks, said, Take this, and divide it amongst yourselves. For I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom has come. And he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given to you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after, and likewise the cup after they had eaten, saying, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Okay, so what we're looking at is people sometimes think that this is, this is one cup, but it's not. What we, were, what we see in Scripture, we think it's like this one cup that Jesus institutes the Lord's Supper. Well, what, we're, what we are actually looking at is Jesus using these multiple cups of the Seder to tell the Seder his way. Okay, so he's, what they would have grown up as Jewish boys, knowing the four different Seder, the Seder cups and knowing all the, the centerpiece and going through it, it would have been routine. It would have been like, oh, we do this cup, now we do this cup, we do this cup, we do this cup, and we celebrate. And that's all over. And they do that since the time that they were born. They would grow up in this tradition. And so Jesus changes the game a little bit. He starts with the cups, and he breaks it down in different ways. And we see he tells a different story than what they know. Okay, so when we go through this, I want you to look at the first cup. So the, the Seder happens, they slaughter the lamb, they start cooking it, and now the, the family's together. Okay, so we're all, everybody comes into the table, the sun has just set, so it's like the cool spring air, it's fun family time, they're all excited to do this together, and they take, the, they start by drinking a glass of wine together, and they start sharing time as a family. So the first cup, what, what are they talking about at the dinner table when this happened? It's called the Kedush, okay? So in Exodus, the first, remember, each one of these is, coincides with an I will statement. The first one is, I will bring you out. Okay, so what they're, it's, this is the cup of sanctification. As a Jew, not everybody was picked to be in God's family. You had the Jews and you had the Gentiles, everyone else. So if you were at the table, that was a pretty awesome privilege to have been born into a Jewish family, to be one of God's chosen people. So what does it mean to be sanctified? Sanctification just means set apart. Like if I had two cups and I would say, well, this is my daily drinking cup, but then I need a, I need a special cup. I need one that is, that is I, I never put anything in except things that are holy. 
I'm going to put that one aside. I'm going to move it over here so that I never accidentally put something other than something that I'm going to worship the Lord with. Does that make sense? So God's people were a people that were removed from everyone else. They knew that they were a special people, a sanctified people. So in Exodus, uh, or, let me read you, oh, I lost my place here. 1 Peter 2, uh, verses 9 and 10 says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were, you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So at, as the Jews, what they would have realized that when they're looking at this cup of sanctification, they, they're thinking all the way back in the times of Egypt when, when they were the oppressed ones, all the, when God looked at the people of, of Egypt, he had his people that he showed his favor on. Does that make sense? So they're, they're reminiscing, going, man, we have a God that's alive. If you look at all the darkness of the rest of the world and all the false gods, we have one that lives with us. That's a pretty awesome thing, right? Well, God's purpose for that was saying, you are to be holy as I am holy. The reason I've chosen you as a, as a race, not because I love you more than I love everybody else, but I want the rest of the world to know what it's like to walk with the God that's holy and the God that's alive. And I want the rest of the world to look at you and marvel. Do you see? They were set apart for God's holy purpose. Now, in Ephesians 1, uh, 4 and 5, it says, Even before he had made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure not just for the Jews, but also for the Gentiles. This story that we're going to look at today wasn't just for a, a people that was lucky. It was going to be for all of us. And praise the Lord, because I stand here today because Jesus died for us all. So we're going to take this first cup, the Kaddush, and what we're going to do is we're going to remember the cup of sanctification, remembering that we have been set apart and called out of the darkness to be a light. Okay, so let's all take our first drink. Don't drink at all, remember, just a, just a drink. This is also the time, as they're enjoying this and they're remembering things about being sanctified, they're remembering their time. Because being, being called of the Lord isn't always easy. So this is the time during the meal that Jesus would have washed the disciples' feet. Remember Doug was saying this is the part where Jesus goes around and washes all the feet. He, he chooses the, the job of the foot washer, and he washes all their nasty feet after walking through all the garbage in the streets, and he does the, the servant's job. Okay, and Peter's like, no, you can't wash my feet. All, that whole story happens right now at dinner. Before they eat their meal, they're going to wash their hands. They're going to wash their feet. They're going to be cleansed of their sin. So the water bowl would go around the table, and at, in, in Jewish families today, they still pass the water around, and they clean their hands. Okay. Real, real quick, just as a logistical side, if you don't have enough cups at your table, there are tables that have more cups than they need, so just get up and go find one. Sorry, go ahead. So this is also uh, a time that we want to be praying 
Do you want to step in on that too? I thought you were going to run with that. The, the time of response and prayer? Yeah. Okay, so, so we practice this like never before. So, yeah, so this is right. So this is actually a new part that we are doing in, uh, for this center for the first time, and I'm pretty excited about it. Because we want to give an opportunity to respond here. We want to make sure that we have an extended prayer time because one of the things that we love about Cornerstone is, is, is the opportunity to respond in prayer every time before service. And today, doing the Seder, we knew that we had to shuffle things around, but we still wanted to include the Holy Spirit in what's happening. So we wanted to give you an opportunity, if you want to pray, if you want to praise the Lord for his faithfulness, if you want to respond to what God's put on your heart, we want to give you an opportunity. So I'm going to open it up, and we're not going to spend a ton of time because we do have to move through this stuff, but I want to give you, if you want, to, if you want an opportunity, just to thank the Lord for who he is and for, for being uh, set apart and sanctified, I want to give you that opportunity to respond. So let's, Lord, man, I am, I am so grateful for your story and how you tell it. And not only through the Jews being uh, sent, uh, rescuing them from Egypt, but uh, these disciples that sat at the table with you as you, you wrote that you told them this story knew. And Lord, fast forward that all the way to my life and my family's life, even this morning, uh, talking to my son about names and how you before the stars were set you knew our names you you you've you pre-planned things for us to do and lord i i pray that uh we would remember that 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 you have chosen us and i pray that each one of us would hear you speak our name today as you call us again to tell our story or your story with our story just raise your hand if you'd like to pray Father, just as we are meditating on how Israel remembered what you did to show up and to bring them out of captivity, Lord, I'm reminded about what happened just a year ago in 2020, and we weren't able to celebrate this. And so here we are living right now in this moment in the presence of you and your people. We thank you, Lord, for this time that we can be mindful of how you have sanctified our hearts and set us apart to be able to commune, commune with you and with your body. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Father, thank you for, uh, thank you for today. Thank you for this... Uh, tradition of the Seder meal. Thank you for the opportunity that we get to learn about what your people were doing um, honestly thousands of years ago. Father, we just uh, we praise you for that. I praise you for um, my friend Daniel being back here and Pastor Doug um, just setting this up and going through everything that they did uh, to make this happen today and for John and all the other rest of the team and their wives and uh, everyone who prepared over the week for for this. Lord, I just ask that this would be a an impactful event on everyone in this room that we we would remember this week as we're going through the different cups and the different um, things on the table that we would that we would just uh, reflect on that this week. And we would remember that 
this is all leading towards you, Lord. And we praise you for that. Thank you for going to the cross for us. Thank you for dying for us. Thank you for, for coming back to life for us. Thank you for taking the cup of wrath for us. Lord, we, we deserve it. We deserve it. And you, and you took it. And I praise you for that. You are an awesome God. You are a mighty God. You are a loving God. And, and I thank you for that. Thank you for not seeing me as a sinner, but as, as one of your kids. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name. My sin. Thank you for continuing to tell me that I'm worth it. Thank you for saving me bathing my heart in your blood so that I can be a better person, a better man, a better husband, a better father, but most of all for your continuing guidance in my life that I see on a daily basis that I thought I could never achieve. You just continue to tell me I'm worth it today for days that I suffer not being worthy. So Heavenly Father, thank you again for sending your son for dying for me, for paying my debt and the debt of my family. I can't say enough how I know why I'm still here. I continue to be a warrior for you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay, so then we're going to move on to partaking of the elements. Okay, so this is the fun part where they would take some of the things that are set up on your table as they're waiting for the meal, to, the lamb to be cooked. They would, they would be remembering, uh, they would be telling God's story. And we're going to abbreviate this because this literally would take the time it would take to cook a lamb. So we're going to move through this really quickly so we can move on to our lunch time too. But we still want to make sure that we pause to remember each of the elements. The first one is the karpas. It's dipping of parsley. So what I want you to do on your table is grab one of these leafy green pieces. It's parsley. And I want you to dip it in the salt water next to it. Okay? Yeah, me first. Yeah, right. <laughs> I can't wait to get in here and get these salty tears. Okay, so what you're supposed to, tears are, the, are salty, right? Well, what we're supposed to remember as we take this together, it, when, when you chew it, when you put it in your mouth and chew it up, you're going to taste that it's salty. Here, let's do that now. All together. One, two, three, chew it up. The whole thing. That is bitter. That is not good at all. I can see faces out there. Nope, swallow it. Don't spit it out. Take it. Yeah, can you, can you hear everybody? Like, ugh. Oh, my goodness. All right, so this is supposed to remind you of the pain and the suffering and the tears that Israel, uh, God's people, were experiencing in slavery. Okay? 
So as you eat that, I'm going to remind you, it's Exodus 2, 23 says, The people of Israel still groaned under the yoke of slavery, and they cried out, and their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God. This reminds us also, remember, Jesus is telling this new, it's not just supposed to remind us of, of their bitterness in slavery to Pharaoh, it's supposed to re reflect on your heart. Remember what it was like in bitter bondage to slavery. Okay? Jesus says he will rid us of bondage out of the power of sin on our lives. 1 Corinthians 15 says the sting of, of death is uh, uh, the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 6 says this, now you are free from your slavery to sin and you have become slaves of righteous living. I think I just I want you to Think for a minute before we move on to the. Uh, first of all, if there are, there are water bottles on your table that are that are there, so you can wash this taste out. But I'm as Daniel goes for his, I'm going to encourage you not to. Uh, <laughs> just like because because we are very quick to like let's get past the sin and get to grace, and I understand that. But we also want to remember that 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 grace is sweet because we understand how bitter. And, and what an affront sin is to a holy God. And, and guys, this, the Seder story, and, I, and you're, you're hearing this a lot, but I, but I hope you're making the connections, even as we've been doing the D group readings, is this is the story that it's all always ever been about Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah, he blows it up in the minds of the disciples in, in the upper room on this Thursday night, but that's because they're clueless, right? Like, just like we would be apart from him, just like the Jewish people are today, just like most of the world is today. But in Genesis 3.15, God calls his shot and says that the seed of Adam, seed, singular, Christ, is going to crush the serpent's head. That's Satan's head. You flash forward a few thousand years to, to Genesis chapter 12, and he says that from your seed, Abraham, one singular seed, all the, fam all the families, all the families of the earth will be blessed, not just the Jewish people. You flash, that was around 2100 B.C. Go to 1400 B.C., which is when the Passover is instituted, and the people are remembering God's faithfulness through the Exodus, through their deliverance, but they, they're not clear on what's going on. How can they be? Because all of these promises, Genesis 3, Genesis 12, Exodus 6, they're all just a foreshadow of what is to come. And that's why most of them missed Christ when he came the first time. So there's this, there's this thing on your, in your, on your tray that's full of the bread. The bread is called matzah. The thing that it's in is a three-pocket piece. Of, now, there, now in, in Judaism, these would be very elaborate, very expensive often. If you have one of your own, raise your hand by chance. Yeah, who has a matzah tosh? I knew the Johnsons did. They're usually very pretty. This works, but here's, what's, here's an example of what I was just saying about how the Jewish people didn't get it. There are, there are three pieces of bread in here. We, as New Testament believers, we understand now, Jesus' disciples didn't, but we understand now that they are Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit. They didn't understand that. But guys, we, have, like, we, we should appreciate not only is God's story not changing, but how Jesus is trying to enlighten 
his disciples in the midst of that. The, the Trinity, Jewish people are not Trinitarians, right? The Shema, what does the Shema say in, in, in Deuteronomy chapter 4? Hear, O Israel, I'm sorry, Deuteronomy chapter 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Now, even there, God, he uses the Lord our God, El, singular, is one, Elohim. That's the plural form of, that, of the word God. So even there, God is telling us a little bit about the Trinity and throughout the Old Testament. He does, but, the, but the disciples didn't understand it. We need to appreciate that. Here, here's the whole point. At this point in the Seder, Jesus would have taken the matzotash. He would have pulled out the middle piece, the middle piece, which is for us as New Testament Trinitarians, we Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He would have held it up and he would have said, this is my body broken for you. Now he's alluding to Isaiah 53, right? He was pierced for our transgressions. If you hold it up to the light, you'll see that light comes through some of the holes. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. By his stripes, we are healed. And if it's done well, and I don't, like these don't necessarily show it really well, but it's, it's striped even, like the, the matzah would have been, would have been like, would have been more striped than this. But it's this picture of, even there, God is showing us in Isaiah, through the Seder, this is a story about my son. So he picks up this middle piece of bread, and he says, this is my body, broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Now, here, now it gets better. It gets better, because here's the other thing that they would do in the Seder. They would take half of the broken piece of bread, and they would wrap it up, in a cloth, and you have a strip of cloth, they would wrap it up, in a, and this is called the afakoman. And the afakoman is simply, I wrote it down, it's, it's, it's simply a word, it's a transliterated word from Hebrew to Greek, but really it's, it means revelation. It means, so, so, so even in the Seder story, when they would call this the afakoman, they're saying God is revealing something. They just didn't know what it was he was revealing. Because think about this for a second. The heat, Jesus takes the piece of bread, breaks it in half, says, this is my body, broken for you. Wraps it in a cloth, and then they would hide it away somewhere. So take that piece and, I don't know, put it under a napkin or something on your table and hide it away somewhere. Right? What does that sound like? What happened to Jesus on the cross? He is Joseph of Arimathea comes. He takes... Jesus' body off of the cross, wraps it in fine linen, and puts it in the tomb and hides it away until Sunday. We'll get back to bringing it back out here in just a minute. But here's the, So here's the other piece. We would, they would take the other half of that piece of bread, and they would remember the sweetness of grace. So on your table, there's a, a little bowl. You want to break off a piece there? I, I don't know how you guys, if you're, hopefully you're sitting with people that you don't mind if they lick their fingers, I don't know. Um, or you can just use some of the other bread too, because you're, you're going to have way more matzah than you need. So just use what you need to use. But basically they would take the chiraset, which is this apple, John, is there, are there nuts in this? Okay, so even if you're a nut allergy person, you're okay. But um, if they would take the chiraset and they would, they would put an ample, like put a lot on it because it's sweet. So, so if you didn't drink the water, like I told, like I told, and you still have the bitterness of the tears and the slavery and the bondage, they would say, now take this and remember the sweetness of God's goodness. So take 
and eat. Yeah, that's much better. You know, as a teacher, there's times where I'm talking to my students and I'm like, if there's a test coming and I'll be like, hey, so this is the answer for number three. Like, no, literally, this is the answer for number three. And they all look at me like, really? I'm like, yeah, this is the answer. Write this down. Like, I feel this is Jesus when he's, he's like, this is my body that's broken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the, this is my body. And they're all like, what? I don't get it. Should I write this down? Like, I think it's so obvious. But this tradition was done as they were growing up. They would have done this all the time. And now Jesus is literally saying, this is my, see how it changes? Do you see how the, the like, how he was, like, seriously, got my, my dad's been writing this forever. Isn't that cool? So we move on to the maror. All right, so now that you got that bitter out of your mouth, here comes, here comes some more. This is my favorite part, and I always look at Josh when we do this. Because he mans up and he takes a man, man bite. So you're going to take from the top piece now. Just take some more. You can take some water now. Don't listen to Doug. It's fine if you want water. You don't have to remember bitter tears all the time. We're, we're under grace, baby. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so now this is the part where... Uh, if you're familiar with the story where the disciples, Jesus is telling them, hey, one of you, at this intimate table, Jesus is telling his disciples, one of you will betray me. In moments, you're going to betray me. And all of them are like, wait, what? What's going on? Like, I don't understand what's happening. And then they're like, hey, John, John, ask him who it is. And he's like, no, nah, I don't want to do that. And he's like, just ask him. And so then he goes, well, it's the person who dips after me. Okay, so now... This is the moment where he dips into the maror, okay? So I want you to take your, your matzah, and this is what we're, we're going to remember the bitterness of sin here. And I want, while you, while you dip this, just like this, this would be how intimate. See how close my hand is with Doug? Yep. That would, I would be Jesus in this scenario. <laughs> it's him. It's him. We all know now that it's him. So now what he would have told the other people is, hey, it's the one who dips with me in the bowl. So this, look at how close my eyes are to Doug's. I just washed his feet too. And I know, I know what's in his heart. I know what's about to happen. It gives me goosebumps to think like, this is somebody that I've walked with, that I've, I've literally loved, and I know what he's about to do. So this is the part in this Seder meal where they take the bitterness of sin so let's taste and get a, get a good bite on there. Josh, let me see it. All right, here's the trick. Don't breathe in through your nose while you do this. Speaking from experience. Now go ahead, take a bite. Ah, that's good horseradish, actually. If you like horseradish, if you're crazy like me and my wife, we like horseradish. Yeah, so, if, so if you like the taste of it, does that make you a big sinner? Yeah, that, right. Okay. All right, there's Jolene freaking out. Okay, so now this is, supposed to, this is supposed to choke you up and make your eyes water. And then look into the eyes of the leader across from you, like, just like I was looking at Doug. Because here's the thing. As, as intimate as that scenario was between me and Doug, and, and the betrayal that must have felt for Jesus. Here, pay attention. Listen up, listen up. I know this is the fun part, but this is what I want you to get. So did we. 
every single person in this room put Jesus on that cross. And as much as God created you to love you and be loved by you, intimately in a relationship, you betrayed him too. He washed your feet. He was faithful to you, and you betrayed him. I betrayed him. I deserve the punishment that he went to go to the cross for. Even in Judas betraying him, that was the very reason that he was going to the cross. And that brings us to the second cup. This, now don't drink this. Do not take a drink yet, but hold it up. I want you to look at it. So this whole time, as we've been remembering God's faithfulness and deliverance out of Egypt, we've been enjoying the first cup, remembering that we, we have been sanctified, right, and chosen by God. The second cup, they would not drink. They would look at it, but this was known as the cup of wrath. So just after they had taken the, the, that bitterness that's still hanging in your mouth, that sin, now we're going to look it square in the eyes and look at the wrath that is, that is intentioned and purposed for sin, okay? So don't take it, but I want you to put it on your, on your table, and I want you to take your pinky, okay? So now every time I say one of these things, I want you to dip your pinky into the glass, and then I want you to put it on your little plastic plate and leave a dot, okay? So now that we're looking, this, okay, so this I will statement is, I am the Lord, I will deliver you from their bondage. That's the I will statement that we're thinking about. So now, what we're thinking about is the 400 years in slavery, and then the, the plagues, the hands, God's mighty hand of deliverance that sweeps in to Egypt, and the plagues that pour out on the Egyptian people. Okay, so the first one is when he turned water into blood at the Nile. Take a little drip and leave it on your plate. The next one was frogs. Take another one and leave it on your plate. Do you see how you're starting to make dots? Gnats or lice. Go ahead and put that one on your plate. Which is this, and then flies. I don't know which one's worse. Flies. Livestock, diseased. Boils. And then thunder and hail that killed everything. Locust that devoured anything that could have survived. And then darkness. Get this. Darkness over the land that they could not see. Except for the land where the Jews lived. I don't even know how God did that. But utter darkness and still kept his people apart from it. So that one. Put that one on your plate. And then finally, death of the firstborn. Okay, so now you should have ten little dots on your plate. And what you're looking at is this cup of wrath that was poured out on the people, but somehow God saved the, this wrath from pouring out on his people. He, it was just on the Egyptians, except for the 10th one. In the 10th one, this plague was for everyone. Everybody was subject to this plague. The death of the firstborn from livestock, everything, everything. If you were not covered in the blood of the lamb, you were subject to the plague. Plague, plague, my wife always tells me I'd say that wrong. Anyway, in the middle of this, if your family didn't slaughter the spotless lamb under God's direction and then take the blood that spilled out of this dead animal and used, used the hyssop on the lintels and on your doorpost, covered it in blood, and then went into the home and shut the door, absolute chaos and death is reigning on the land. But inside your home, 
you are partying. You are completely safe. And you are, and God told you, hey, be ready. Be on the lookout. Eat this in haste, which is why this doesn't have leaven. And you're, you're, I'm setting up a story. You better be ready to leave because I am moving. You guys, after this, you guys are out of here. You're going to plunder the Egyptians as you go. You ask them for their gold and they're going to give it to you. And you're going to go. Okay? So the final plague, something died unless they were covered by the blood. So here's how it translates to Jesus sitting at the table. This whole time that we've been talking about these elements and remembering that we've been sanct- or we've been uh, set apart for the Lord's, the, the lamb has been cooking. So now is when the lamb would be brought to the table. They would not drink this cup until the lamb came to the table, bloody and, 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 and killed. Now, if you ever have the chance to do a real Seder, I implore you, please do it. Because when the lamb comes out right now, it's been, it's been cooking, and it looks and smells delicious, but it's also covered in blood. It's like oozing, like a, you know, like a juicy steak. It's just covered, and in, you, you see with your eyes the blood that was shed to cover the sin, on the, like to cover the lintel on the doorpost. And so now, that the, which now in the, in the modern day satyrs is represented by a shank bone, now they raise the, the cup of wrath. And they drink it as they eat their dinner. After they pray. So let me pray for our meal, and then we will take the cup. Lord, I, I don't know how you do it, but every time we go through this story, it blows me away. Just as much as it did the first time. That your people would have been would have grown up generation to generation to generation looking at these traditions. And now Jesus un, uh, like reveals it to us going, no, this is me. This is my body that I break. And this is my blood that I pour out. This is my blood that goes on the lintel to cover you to keep you safe. Because God's wrath has to be poured out on everyone. And so I will take it for you. Jesus, as we take our meal today together as a giant family, Lord, I pray it would be a picture that reminds us of what's going to happen in your kingdom one day. And we will have next year in Jerusalem, Lord, that we would sit there and say, worthy is the lamb that was slain with all honor and glory and power. Lord, it is yours. And we are so grateful that you are a king that loves us enough to die for us. Amen. So let's take our cup. So, so question, completely random. You can keep talking, really. I'm just rambling. Is there ham on the sandwich? Nuh-uh. Oh, party foul, seriously. Huge party foul. Although, I guess as New Testament believers, we understand that Jesus died so we could eat bacon, right? Because bacon is wonderful. Heavenly. It's the fairy dust of food. That's what Tom, that's what, what's his name? Tim Hawkins. That's what Tim Hawkins says. It's the fairy dust of food. You put bacon on anything, and it's like better. You know, Brussels sprouts? Brrr, bacon! And all of a sudden, it's magical. Sorry, but we're going to actually, for real, going to get started here in just a second. So, um, and like I said, the last couple cups go fast, but we have um, someone who's going to blow this better than me. Go ahead. I hope it, yeah. You got it? You want to hold it?
I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. Wow. Well done, good and faithful Oh, so that's servant. what it's supposed to sound like. What'd you expect from Judas, Daniel? <laughs> anyway, so um, as you're kind of finishing up your meal, I'm just going to re recap where we have been, and then we're going to take the last couple of cups, um, which, which like I said, happened, would happen pretty rapidly. They would have this meal together. Um, they would just continue to talk about their, the faithfulness and the goodness of God. We have seen the cup of sanctification. That just means the set-apart ones. It's how, it's how, as New Testament believers, that's what, that's, that's what the word church really means. Ecclesia are the set-apart ones. And so we are, we are now, as, as followers of Christ, those set apart for him. And then um, we've seen the cup of wrath. And guys, we, we, we need to understand this, not just for us, but we need to understand this for the world we're living in. Now more than ever. God is a holy God. He is a righteous God. We would not want him to be anything less than a judgmental God. I, I understand that that's not popular. I understand that even in the church nowadays, that's not popular. But we want judgment on those who fall short. Right? We, want, I mean, we want judgment on those who practice evil. And a judge that would look at a person who has killed and raped and murdered and whatever and just said to them and just said you know what you are completely pardoned there's no rules it's okay we would look at that person and go that person does not deserve to be a judge and yet somehow we believe that God should be different than that but we don't want him to be different than that at the same time what we want is we want to decide where the bar is and the reality is God is the bar. Christ is the bar. He is and was and always will be perfect. And to enter into that, that spiritual realm that he is back in right now until, those, until the spiritual and the physical come back together in the new heaven and the new earth, in order to enter into that in his presence, we have to be holy too. We can't get there apart from Christ. Okay, the part of what I don't understand, because like, you're going to hear, and part of, in addition to just letting you finish up your meal, part of, part of why, like this week, if you, whether you're you know, on your social media or just in your conversations, don't shy away from talking about the, the righteous, holy judgment of God. As Christians, out of all, and you're going to hear this next week on Friday and Sunday, out of all the believers, in the, out of all the religions in the world, Christians should lead with that. Why? Because we're the only religion in the world that says the God who judges is also the one who chose the instrument on which his judgment would be placed. Allah does not do that for the Muslims. Right? Buddha does not do that for the Buddhists. We... We don't, need to, we don't need to hide from the truth that God must and we would want him to punish sin because he is the instrument on which that sin was placed. But here's the thing, and this goes back to our second cup, the cup of wrath. And it's why when Daniel talked about they would look at this bloody lamb that was just laying there on, the t on their table, and they would say, because the judgment of God, the wrath of God, is only going to fall on two places. 
It's gonna, it fell on Christ on his cross. And for those that look to the cross and place their faith in that truth, that judgment is, is removed from us because we've, we recognize what happened there. But for those that say, you know what, that just doesn't make any sense to me, that is not enough for me, I don't want that, the judgment that is on the world has to fall on the world. And you are either in Christ or you are in the world. That is, the, God, that is the, the good news of God's story. You are either set apart, sanctified, and therefore the wrath of God is removed from you, or you are part of a world that still is, is and will, in ways we cannot even fathom, experience the wrath of God. That is the gospel. Right? It's, it's a both and. And it has to be. But here's the, here's the good news. And back to our Seder. So we saw this set apart ones, sanctified. We saw the, the cup of wrath. Jesus is going to get to this place in the Seder, and he is going to share with them the cup of redemption. It was called the Hagulah. And the last part of that word, gula, is just meaning the sharing of good news. Go figure, right? So he would take this third cup, and I'm going to have the music team come up. I hope you guys are done and don't have food in your mouth as you're getting ready to sing. But the music team's going to come up, and, and as we've walked through these I will statements, we've seen the first two. The third one is, in Exodus 6, is, and I, God says, and I will redeem you. Guys, God has only ever been telling one story. I hope you never tire of hearing that. Because the story is the good news of the gospel. And, and it, is a, it is a story of action. And the, and, the, and the idea of God's redemption, he is the one acting. It's what I was just sharing a minute ago. And so he says, I will redeem you. It is just a picture of the promise that is to come. Guys, God's story is a story of creation. He created everything perfectly. Rebellion, our rebellion. Adam and Eve in the garden and every human being that's ever lived since. Redemption and someday restoration when he comes again and, and, and brings the new heaven and the new earth with him and the cloud of witnesses of all the people that have passed away. But it is a, it is a step, that, that process of creation, rebellion, redemption, restoration is a story of action. And because we are sanctified and because the wrath of God has been separated from us by Christ, he, he, we're the ones that are supposed to act. Christianity is a participation sport. And so we, part of what he's telling his people, what he's telling his, his people, his disciples, the 11 of them that are left in the room at this point, because Judas is gone. Judas does not get to drink from this cup. It's pretty obvious why for us, disciples probably didn't get it at the time. But he's saying, yeah, you were chosen of God, Judas. The wrath of God is going to fall upon you because you will not take the cup of redemption from me. But this is the point where what they would do in the, um, in the Seder is they would find, they would, they would ransom the Afakoman. So at your table, somebody has wrapped this up. Also at your table, there, is some, there are some Smarties, candy. The candy is the ransom. So, so, so if you have a kid at your table, give this to the kid, just to, in the interest of time. Give this to one of the children. 
right? He would, he would take this, they would take this cup and, and have the child give it to the leader. And the leader is now going to give the candy to all the kids or to Brian Johnson if he likes Smarties. He's like, what candy? It's all gone. There was no candy at our table. He's got wrappers in his pocket. But he would take, they would, they would take this, they would, they, but here's, here's the key. So, so, I mean, think about this, guys. Think, think about what, what, does Mark, what does the Gospel of Mark tell us? The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. God, Jesus has already demonstrated that by being the foot washer. And to give his life a ransom for many. So in the, in the Jewish Seder, before Christ ever came, for, for 1,400 years, they would ransom the Afikoman. Well, remember back to what I said? They would take this, this is my body, broken for you. They would take the part that's specific. This is where, in the Seder, Jesus institutes what we think of as communion. Because every time we take communion, it is this moment that Jesus is talking about. It's when he says, this is my body broken for you. This is my blood shed for you. It's when Paul talks in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 that we all want to, that we share during our communion time. That, God, that Christ gave to me of what is first importance. Right? And, he, and he shares the gospel story of how Jesus took the bread and he took the cup. This is it. This is the moment. This is the moment in the Seder. This is the moment that matters because we go from children of wrath children of wrath to children of the blessing. How? Because we move from one cup. That's how important this moment is to those men that are in that upper room. Because if nothing else, as clueless as they were, they knew something different was happening. We go from the cup of wrath to the cup of redemption, the good news that Jesus saves. Jesus saves. So take the Afikoman, the body of Christ that was wrapped and hidden and has now been ransomed and raised, and however you want to do this at your table for whatever reasons, break off a piece. It says, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, this is what Paul gets from the Lord. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body broken for you. Take the piece of bread and remember Christ's body broken for you. And then before we take the cup, sorry, Pick up your cup, the cup of redemption, the good news, that Christ saves sinners. Guys, what are we celebrating in this moment? It's what we're going to look at and hold on to with our nails on Friday. It is finished. One word in the Greek, tetelestai. Jesus holds up the cup and he says, this cup of redemption 
is the new covenant in my blood poured out for the forgiveness of sin. That, that messy lamb is no more because I will be sacrificed once for all time. Let's take the cup together. The last cup, hopefully you have a little bit left, is the cup of praise. Remember what I said, the word, the Hebrew word for praise is where we started with our readers, the Hallel means praise. This last cup is we're praising God for the fulfillment of his story. And ultimately it's tied to the, the beautiful promise that, that he ends our Exodus passage with. Right? I will set you apart. I will save you from yourself, from your slavery. I will redeem you. And then the last I will statement is, and I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God. So would you stand with me as we finish in praise, in our Hallel cup of praise. Part of the Hallel in Psalm 116, it says, and I shall lift up the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. I shall lift up the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. I shall pay my vows to the Lord. Oh, may it be in the presence of all his people. Look around, guys. <laughs> I mean, when do you get to do this? Right? If, if somebody from the world walked in here, they'd think we're nuts. That's a good thing. Man, we praise you, Lord Jesus, for who you are. We praise you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, for the work that you're doing in us and to us and through us. Lord, we praise you for the story that you have been telling for all generations. Lord, we praise you for your unrelenting love. Lord, we praise you for the fact that your forgiveness is for all time for those that come to know you as Savior. Lord, we praise you just for you. You are a good God and worthy of our praise. Let us drink from the cup of praise together and enter into worship. Yours.
Father, I just thank you for that. I thank you for the truth that you sent your son to do what only he could do. I thank you for the beauty that is Jesus Christ. I pray that we would just see him as better. Better than anything the world has to offer. I thank you for grace and the great story of redemption and restoration you are telling in the world. Let us be your storytellers for the fame of your name and the glory of your son. Amen. Right before he gives the message to the church, Jesus said in Revelation, Jesus says this, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the one who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. And then after the Seder, that meal on that Thursday night, it says that after they sang a hymn, they went out to the Garden of Gethsemane. So let's sing one last song together before we close. Come, let us sing a song, a song declaring that we belong to Jesus. He's always See
pray.